And so, Father, we thank you for birthing the church. Lord Jesus, when you poured out your spirit, the church was born. When you were resurrected, all the angels must have just held their, their, their breath in awe. God, this is an amazing thing that we do. We come to worship the living God because you know us and you care about us. And you love us. And who are we even, you're, you're even mindful of us. <coughs> so thank you, Savior, for inviting us corporately to come into your presence to sing praises to you to hear words that you've said about you, God, to talk about you and to think about you. Spirit of God, I pray you would transform us, as Aaron led earlier, that we would be not just singing songs, but engaging in worship as best we know how. And Father, we thank you for uh, your blessings. We are mindful that if we were to count them, we could never count them all. Forgive us for being critical. Thank you and make us grateful. Father, I pray for those around the world for whom this is illegal. I pray for the persecuted church. I pray you would raise them up and strengthen them. And God, I just pray for our own dear country, Lord, as uh, many struggle. I pray particularly for those who have had loss. You know, I, I think of those who've lost loved ones. And Father, I pray that you please would give them comfort and, and encouragement. So Father, now open your word to us, I pray, and teach us, we ask. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Folks, I just want to announce to you that some of you know Dan Merrifield. He was always right back here. Uh, he and Sharon would come. He, he had a massive heart attack a couple days ago when he passed away yesterday. So would you please keep that family in your prayers if you know them? You know, if you don't know them, pray for that dear family who lost somebody. They're one of many. You know, the church brings many things to our world, to our culture. Church of Jesus Christ brings way cool things. I mean, they brought they brought incredible music. You know, the church has written such great music and great literature, you know, and, and much of our law is written because of how we understand the Ten Commandments and, and we've brought a lot of humanitarian things going on. There's nothing, I think, that the church brings more effectively than the cause of the sanctity and the value of human life. So could we please see our, our video now? It's Not a, long ago, I watched um, behind yeah. a glass wall, scared, helpless, but awakened, staring right at the hard truth, but hardly recognizing it at first. Truth had been buried beneath busy days, set aside with each passing year, then forgotten beneath useless ambitions. What was this truth? Life is sacred. I had missed the great calling from God that life must be protected, cherished, revered. No matter how old, no matter how young, no matter how foreign or desperate or different or defenseless, life was what God cared about. Life was the gift that He freely gave. Life was why He came and why He died. How could I have forgotten? Now I see its sacred beauty, the glory of the Father that shines bright through innocent eyes, the mercy of the Father that reaches out to us through desperate hands, the grace of the Father that pours into us and out of us, the love of the Father that beckons us not to just look, but see, not just breathe, but 
inhale in that way we live life abundantly, protect it reverently, and cherish it deeply in His name. So that's kind of our deal today. I want to remember with you stuff that you already know about. You know, uh, we've been going now through a whole series, a series called The First Important Thing. So we've talked about things that are really, really important to our church, some of our doctrines, some of our emphases. Today I just want to talk with you about stuff that you know about, you've heard about, I think we always have as long as we've been here. Uh, I don't know. We just want to talk about the value of human life. So I, I probably will say things you already know, but I just want to bring you back with me so we're kind of like on the same sheet here. Would you first uh, find Genesis chapter 1? This is called Sanctity of Life Sunday. In your blue Bibles, I want to start on page 3. So in this Bible here, it should be under the chair in front of you or behind you or somewhere. Raise your hand, we'll get you one. I'm going to start on page 3, Genesis chapter 1. I'll start at verse 24. Genesis 1, verse 24. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kind. Let livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the wild animals according to their kind, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the, fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. That will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, all the birds of the air, and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. Now, I know you know that passage probably pretty well. and can probably quote it back to me. My deal here is that God has linked the sanctity of human life to himself. That is to say, there's some things we learn about God in this passage, right? So like in verse 26, what do you learn from the word then? <laughs> verse verse 26. God has no time, right? God doesn't do time. But then it says, there's a time word about God. Then God did. So, so then the God who is timeless now enters into time. And God, who really isn't his first name, but describes a, 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 an incredible being, um, he said, so then God speaks. Okay, so God enters into time, and he speaks. And then he says, let us make man in our image. Who's he talking to? Well, it may be uh, in the language that it was a, a superlative, like the, the Most High God. But it is also true that God is triune. And so is, has communion and communication with the Son and the Spirit. So God speaks. He's verbal. And there are those to whom he speaks. And, and there are uh, presumably those who speak back. 
Um, and then he said, I'm going to, uh, let's create man in our image. So then God has an image. What does that mean? Well, in John, John 4, we know he's spirit. So it cannot be that he looked like man. God was never flesh. He always has been spirit for eternity. But he does have all the immaterial things that make you human. He has a mind. He has a will. He has emotions. He is soul. So, so then God says, let us create man in our immaterial image. So somehow they'll reflect me. And then, and of course, you know, uh, and then God just did it. It says, uh, uh, so, um, verse 20, so God created man. So not only does God have a will, I will do this. He has an imagination because what did man look like? I mean, man was made up in the creative mind of God. There wasn't one. God, and there was nothing to make man out of, right? There was no dust. There was nothing. And so God imagined it, and then he spoke it, and it was so. He created it. And then he exercised his will and said, this is how it's going to be. I want to make mankind the top of all my creation. So of all the creatures, all the animals and plants and deer and cantaloupe, I mean antelope and you know all, all that stuff, he made them in charge of all of them. And they were to rule over them, to have to be the rest of the world to be subject to them. And so mankind, God said, I'm going to make it this way. So this is how it will be. And then it was so in verse 27. So he did it. Oh, and, uh, and, and, and God is this incredibly uh, complex creature, right? Uh, being. I mean, he's like really, really uh, complicated and com his soul. And so he made us in, a, in our image. Okay. Why do you care about that? Because every human at conception has their own DNA that reflects this image of God. Every single human being reflects the image of God. So, we are verbal. One of the hard things about COVID is it has knocked away our ability to communicate with one another. You want to hurt people? Isolate them. Take away their hearing or their ability to speak and they feel very, very isolated? No, 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 no. We were created to speak. We were created to communicate and have communion with one another. That's how we were. We were created to do time. You know, we got entered into time. We are created with, with time. And we have an image also that reflects it. So some of you are incredibly creative. I, I Really, I still think it's, it's cool for a carpenter to walk onto a, a grassy space and see in their mind the bedrooms will go there, the front room will go there, the living room will go there, and then with their hands, they make it. I think it was no, no accident that, that Jesus was raised by a stepdad who was a carpenter, who envisioned stuff and then made it happen. And some of you do incredibly artistic things with, with uh, instruments or, or technology, computers, or with your hands you sculpt, or, 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 or some sing, or some write. All that stuff reflects the image of God that says you are unique and distinct from all other animals, all, all other life forms. You, mean you, you are different in nature. 
from animals and plants. You bear the image of God stamped on your soul. This is unique, okay? In places where Christianity, Christ is not honored, many places there's a very, very low view of human life. Human life is expendable in many cultures. And if you go to North Korea right now, man, today, if you don't agree with the government, your life is expendable. You can spend your whole life in a hard labor camp. If you're a Christian in, in Korea or Afghanistan, we saw when people were trying to leave Afghanistan, the message was, life is expendable. You don't matter. If you're not with us, we can take your life. You don't matter. And there's a whole host of people who view themselves like I don't matter. They look in the mirror and they say things like I don't matter, like I'm worthless, like I'm no good. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Every individual is created in the image of God and therefore has inherent dignity and honor that is not based on what you produce, just based on the fact that you bear God's image. Phew. Okay, that's intended to be revolutionary. And in our world, it really, really, really is. How did all this thing work out? So in chapter 2, verse 7, um, you know, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So then what makes us alive? The breath of God. How does all that work? I don't know. All I know is we, we're kind of beyond, our technology is beyond our own ability to understand what life is. We can keep the lungs going and the heart beating, but it's the breath of God that makes us, that gives us life. And then he entrusted man with, with choice. Verse 15, he put man in the garden. Oh, to work it, he gave, he gave him purpose. Folks, you were created for a purpose. Some of you don't know what that purpose is. More and more people say, oh, I don't know. You know, I, I really don't know what God's purpose. But God created with purpose, and when you receive Christ, he gives you gifts for the purpose for the, for the, that God made you. You are you're unique. And like God, you were created for a purpose. Your life is intended to have meaning in fulfilling that purpose. So when God took Adam and said, go to my garden and keep my garden, that was for Adam's good. Use your hands, work the ground, watch food grow. I will, I will help you make food grow and you'll eat it and you'll survive. So I don't know what your purpose is, but there's not one person sitting here who doesn't have a purpose. That one. Um, and, 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 and then he gave him like authority, you know, even over my kingdom. Um, I intended there to be oneness between man and woman uh, that would go on forever. In Psalm chapter 8, verse 4, it says, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. So a while back, I was at a real, really busy medical facility. I mean, people were going in and out, you know, boom, 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 like a lot. And I'm watching as a driver brings a man in in a wheelchair. And, he, you know, obviously, you know, his appearance was that he was quite old. And the driver said to the lady at the desk, look, 
I'm just dropping them off. Call me when you're done. I'll come pick them up. And so she said, okay. And this dear lady was at, at, the, at the place, and she said, so, sir, have you been exposed to COVID at all? And he, expressionless, you know. He couldn't hear her. And bless her heart, she had this real soft voice, you know, and she said, have you been exposed to COVID? You know, she, and so she looked at her worker, and, and, and this dear lady, may her kind, she walked around from her desk, she walked around behind all the plexiglass, and she got up right at the guy's, she, she knelt down right by his wheelchair, and she put her voice, her, her mouth, just inches away from his ear, and she said, sir, have you been exposed to COVID, or do you have any COVID stuff? Nope. And are you Harry? Yep. And I hear to see Dr. Marvin? Yep. And this dear woman treated this man with honor and dignity just because he was, not because he could do a whole bunch of stuff. She just honored him because he was human. And I got to see it. <coughs> we live in a culture that is forgotten the treasure and the dignity and the honor of every single human life. And so, let me take you now to a different uh, verse, uh, which is a little more like, oh, okay, what about that one? Uh, we could talk about this a lot. It's over in Genesis chapter 9. Um, yeah, Genesis, uh, over on page 12. God's talking to Noah. Things are changing. Uh, and then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. So then God wants humans to populate the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and upon every creature that moves along the ground. That's different because of the fall. And upon all the fish of the sea, and they are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Ooh. Just as I gave you green plants, I now give you everything. We became flesh eaters at that point. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal too, or every animal. And from each man too, I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, has God created man? So then somehow then God links this whole notion of the sanctity of human life to protecting life. Individuals cannot take the life of another individual without consequence. It's different. Romans 13 says, you know, some of you have been in the military and they've said, point the weapon down range and pull the trigger. That's a different deal because that's given to government. But individuals cannot take human life without consequence. It says here, if you shed man's blood, by, man, by mankind, will your blood be shed? There'll be a, a judicial thing that's going to happen. I want to say two things. Please don't check me out after I say the first thing. I want to say two things, but hang on to get to point B, okay? Point A. All human life should be protected. Unborn, elderly, malformed, 
bent, broken. In this country, we have, since 1973, taken about 62 million lives through abortion alone. Here's point A. Here's point B. Point B. Listen. Hang on. If that was you, you need to know and hear me on this. There is great forgiveness in Christ Jesus. You need to hear that from me. If that, if you were a, in a situation that you didn't know what to do and you didn't know how to go when someone said, this is a great idea, listen. Every sin I have, my own sin, every, every, everything we've done against human life is forgivable. We confess our sins. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. In this service, I don't know where your background is. All I'm saying, if that was you, and you have received Christ and asked for forgiveness, you are forgiven by God and by us. It does not change the now. Now, we must do all that we can do to preserve and protect human life. So, you know, <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry, God. even lives that we don't like, even in people that we don't agree with, I must say it like that, there are people that we may really disagree with their politics on a lot. Their lives are equally important as ours. Our political enemies' lives are just as important as our lives and so should be protected and honored by our words and by the way we treat those who hate us. Many hate people like me because we, they say we think we're better or we condemn them for their choices. Maybe the church loves human life, though we hold to the truths of God's word. This whole notion of protection of human life, it's pretty broad, man. I mean, the whole notion, God, and all these things God has done for our good. God's, he's done this for our good. And where Christ is exalted, people are lifted up. Where Christ is ignored, human life is dispensable. And so on, 1 Corinthians 6 says, the life that you live is contained in your bodies. And those who know Jesus, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so for your good, for your good, he says, Paul, you possible in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, I want you to protect your sexuality. I want you to protect, because here's what I want. I want you to meet somebody of the opposite sex and make a lifelong commitment 
and enjoy all the intimacies of sex that I've prepared for you and that it should be good for you forever. And I read stuff online about the gazillions, I mean billions of dollars invested in, in, in um, pornography in the whole industry where none of that's true. Where, no, 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 no. I want you to have as many experiences as you can possibly have with as many people as you want to fulfill your own passions and your own stuff and be as selfish as you can possibly be and you take and take and take and consume and consume. And I don't care who you use to do that, man. It's all good. It's all wrong. And so we tell you and our young kids, hey, protect yourself sexually because you are worth so much and God has such a high value on you and has such a high purpose for your life. And it cheapens the dignity of human life is to be protected, fought against. No, no, stop it. In Ephesians 5, he says, I know it's your body. I gave it to you. I gave it to you for a purpose. And in those days, he said, what are, you, what, what are you doing to your bodies? He says in Ephesians 5.18, don't get drunk with wine. Be filled by the Holy Spirit. The idea is don't be controlled by a substance. How long has it been? Ten years? Since they said these words on the radio. Opioid addiction now in the United States is an epidemic. Well, that wasn't God's plan. God's plan is that people enjoy the stuff in moderation, substances in moderation, that won't hurt them or kill them. But we as a culture have said, no, human life is not that important. What's really, really important is my own personal experience. If I can experience for a while, I don't care what happens in my life. <laughs> Psalm 127 says, children are gifts from God. And at one point, Jesus was, was making an analogy. There's young people who are young in their faith, and you don't cause those young people who, who people who are young in their faith to stumble, or it's better if you have a millstone around your neck and throw it in the sea because don't hurt my little ones. Human life means we protect children. I cannot believe I live in a country where people steal children to sell them to people who buy them for their own selfish purpose. It was not intended to be that way, guys. That's a violation of the truth and the character of God who says every single human life has great value and worth. I don't know. Maybe it starts our own family. Exodus 20 says, I even think the life of your parents are important so much, so I want you to honor them. If I hear one more person say to me, I'm so mad at my mom and dad, I'm never going to speak to them ever again, I think I'll scream. You can't dishonor your mom and dad 
no matter what they've done or not done, they're humans. They bear the image of God, and somehow they bore you. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to wake us back up again, you know, like remind us again of important stuff because our culture has said human life is important if it produces. Wrong. Human life is important just because it's human. So I, I, I really talked to one of you guys. I don't know. Maybe we'll remember the story. But there was a guy who was doing missions in a foreign country where the um, average income was like really, really low. People were raised, born in poverty. They lived in poverty. They died in poverty. One guy's a big guy, and he was like a big guy who was living in poverty until one day he was told that he could make an awful lot of money if he would steal kids, and so he did and made a lot of money. So my friend was trying to win him to Christ, and he said, but when you come to Christ, you know, that's got to like stop. You know that, right? For him, that was a crisis. Do I go back to living in poverty? Or do I embrace Christ? Or, or do I live my own life selfishly, you know? Whew. I don't know, man. We are supposed to protect our most vulnerable of our people. My elderly? My little guys? Folks, I don't know if you know this or not, but there are people who come to this church who really, really, really just need for someone to love them and to connect. There are some people in this church who wonder whether or not anyone thinks they're valuable at all. Because no one ever talks. No one ever says hi to them, and no one ever knows their name or their story. So in this, in this preparation thing, I was looking at that website about these kids um, who were really into porn and stuff, and they said, you know what? I was bullied rejected, and alone all through school. You know what, folks? This is my third point now, really. There's some things we don't do. But there are some things that we should really do. Because human life is, is of great value. Every, there are some things that we don't do. We don't hurt it. We don't mess up our life. But there's some things we really, really do. Galatians 6.10 says this. And so do good to all men, especially who are the household of faith. But what does good look like? I don't know. But I know some of it. So I'm going to ask you to do something for me now, if you would. Would you kind of rubberneck with me? Would you, would you look to your left? See the people who are there? See the people there? Left? Look to the right? See the people who are there? Do the behind you. Oh, there's Harry. How you doing? Ready? Now, when I stop talking, we just find some of those people, especially the ones you don't know, and touch their hand, or, or maybe not. You know, maybe you know. I don't. You know, I, I don't know. Peace. You know, I don't. I don't know. But can you like acknowledge that they exist here? That is good. And for somebody you know has been here and is not here now, can you call them? Do good. 
um, there are many of you who do really, really good. Love kids. Foster kids. Adopt kids. No kids. Teach kids. Direct kids. Mold kids. I, I, I met a guy, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And he's going to get a little, you know, a little older. You know, you know what he's going to do? He is going to see if he can organize care communities for care facilities. So people who are alone in our retirement houses get visited and known and touched and loved by the church. Isn't that cool? Because, you know, some get visited by nobody. Ever. So I don't know, folks. We have a food pantry. We give out food. If you have an opportunity to stand up for justice and say something against the whole notion of, of uh, social injustice, we absolutely should be taking. You know, are you racism? Are you crazy? You know, are you crazy? Um, we should, because we love people, should share the gospel with the fallen world. The words I'm saying today are transformational for cultures. This is not true in China. This is not true in the Soviet Union. The words I'm saying are distinctively Christian. They change cultures because they change people and ultimately change eternity. So I'm not talking about small stuff. I think I'm talking about stuff of, of first importance. What we see, what we love, what we touch. It's of God. Don't you know who you are? You reflect the image of God. So in the first service, we had uh, Bob Begarch came up on stage, and he said, you know what? God cares about human life. Maybe you know about this whole story. He said, and God protects. His, he, he took his, uh, his wife, taught in Montella school system, and uh, last week, some kids smuggled in a shotgun. And a janitor found it. And that a God spared human life. Troubled kid. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know your family. I don't know your stuff. All I know is this. That God treasures your life. God treasures every human life. And you know how Adam was supposed to take care of the garden and stuff? Our world. Is our garden. Listen to God's voice. Treasure and honor human life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, these words that you've given us, God. We're sorry for the times that we forget about it. Sometimes we even treat people in political office like they're subhuman. We say horrible things about them and imply terrible things about their motives like we know them. Father, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry for my passivity. I'm not so busy I can't visit somebody sometime. I'm sorry for my 
self-protection, where I don't want to risk being rejected so I don't talk to anybody else, so they won't reject. God, it's a gazillion reasons, but they're just rotten excuses. So may we reflect your image by the way we care for your creation. Not just plants and animals, but people. May we love our kids well. May we love our elderly well. May we love those who are physically handicapped well. Oh God, you are such a good God. All these things you gave for our good. We've trashed so much. I'm so sorry. Please forgive us. We've walked away from you and so we've hurt one another. It's predictable. Anyway, God, transform us, I pray. Spirit of God, lead us to the cross. It's at the cross you give us new life. Trying harder, we'll never get it done. When we lay our lives down and receive your work for us on the cross, you save us and make us new and fill us with your spirit. Oh God, draw us to your cross. And then draw us to our knees. And then God, use our hands and our voice. Oh, we love you. You're, you're, you're an amazing God. I can't, I can't believe we get to know you. And we worship you well and honor and serve you well, I pray. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank mm -hmm. you.